Welcome to the Big Drink Rethink podcast with me, your host, Anna Donaghy. If you've noticed that the drinking culture in the UK is changing and you're curious about why and what this means to your world, then this is the podcast for you. Throughout this series, I will be chatting with the thought-provoking, forward-thinking people at the heart of this shift to find out what makes them tick and to explore the sober-curious perspective from all angles. And I'll also be giving you oodles of personal tools and tactics to help you get on board the Big Drink Rethink. Well, hello and welcome to the first ever edition of the Big Drink Rethink podcast. This is really exciting for me. It's been a while. It's been a while in the making, not not the practical side of things so much, although it has to be said that I'm learning as we go along on this one, but it's the concept that's been knocking around in my head for quite a long time. And the events that have led up to me doing this have unfolded over a number of years, many years actually. So as is often the case, this first episode is about sharing with you what the Big Drink Rethink is all about and who I am. I'm hoping to strike up a relationship, obviously, so I do need to introduce myself and we'll get those formalities out of the way first. So I'm Anna, and at the point of recording this, I am 52 years old. I live in Gloucestershire with my two lovely teenage daughters and my lovely husband. And my background is 25 years plus in the advertising and creative industry. And before that, a sort of 10-year meander through marketing in finance and car industries. So moments and events and stages of that career are almost certainly going to be mentioned again because sort of the consistent theme, if you like, at every stage of my working life, and in fact, most of my life full stop, is that it has been alcohol soaked. And in fact, until about three years ago, I was a big drinker, too big, too big. It had become a real and very frightening problem for me. For all intents and purposes, I was performing well in a senior role. But the fact is, I had lost control of my drinking. And this scared me. It really scared me. It scared me to death. I was just about managing to keep up appearances and and go through the motions of my life. Just about managing. But drinking dominated. It was my evening drinks, my nightly kind of middle of the night panic attacks, my habitual awful hangovers, the daily exhaustion. I was just on a cycle of spin and repeat and all said alcohol was consuming a huge amount of my time and energy, huge. Or put another way, it was in control. I had lost control and I was stuck. I was stuck in a in a horrible, as I say, a sort of spin and repeat cycle. Addicted, exhausted, drowning, and terrified to admit it. And the thing is, I knew, and this, this is what made it so bloody painful, I knew I had a drinking problem way, way before I confronted it. 
But unfortunately, knowing that didn't help because the shame and the responses I anticipated from others meant that I didn't talk to anyone about it. It was my secret. And it remained so for many years. And there's an out-like shame and self-loathing to drive a drinker to drink. As I say, spin and repeat. I've also described it as being, you know, in a dark room without knowing where the door is. And for anyone stuck in any situation where they feel those lights have gone out, that is how it feels. Or maybe, you know, maybe there is a sense that there's a door, but it's not easy to find and it's certainly not an easy one to open. There's an awful lot of fear about what's behind that door and the path that it's going to lead you down. So there I was, and there I remained unable to bring myself to ask for help, but also utterly failing to change my own behavior by myself. I didn't have a rock bottom moment with my drinking for which I am A, amazed, but B, eternally grateful. Because obviously the stories that you hear around those are so often tragedies of accidents being caused, of being in an accident, personal injury, bankruptcy, relationship breakdowns, marriage failures, estrangements. They, they didn't happen to me. That wasn't really how it played out. I just had a very, very low and very, very long low period of my life and a series of real wake-up calls. My drinking was causing conflict and problems in my marriage, which I risked destroying. And my young children, I mean, they were they were younger at the time, um, you know, and basically sponges, you know, as, as young kids are. They could see, they, they, could, they could see how things were beginning to disrupt and, you know, influence family life. They could see mummy behaving in strange ways and they could see the tensions that this was kind of creating. You know, I, I look back and I think, goodness me, you know, that, that was one of my real compelling why, you know, my, my why I had to do something about it was, was this idea of what I was modeling to my children. But ultimately, you know, the light, my light was going out on all of my ambitions, all of my energy was being used to kind of stay afloat. It was killing my spirit. And when I, when I looked in the mirror, which I didn't like to do, I have to say, when I looked in the mirror, the 18-year-old who would have once have been described as driven and tenacious and resourceful and, and full of what we would these days call sass had completely gone and I just saw you know someone in their late 40s just a former shadow of themselves I am so grateful for the fact that I was just about able to engage in the reality of what life had become and I could see the trajectory that I was on. But there's so much stigma 
around drinking problems and specifically, you know, around the term alcoholic, that it just keeps you stuck. It kept me stuck. I kind of know that there's a doorway that leads to AA and, and admission that, you know, you're an alcoholic and there is a way to ask for help through that doorway. But I didn't want to go down that path and start a journey whereby I, I kind of admitted to being an alcoholic and took on that label and conceded to, to alcohol. The resistance in me personally to doing that was enormous. Uh, I didn't identify. You need to be able to identify, don't you, with, with whatever help you you ultimately choose or you know, to whatever authority you, you listen to. And I, I, I didn't identify it. And this is a point really, really importantly, this is a point where I've got to stress that this is my story. Okay. Uh, not anyone else's, it's mine. So I can sit here and say that I recognize AA to be a fantastic organization that has helped so, so many people in so, so many ways. And I know that it has saved lives, not just physically saved lives, but saved the quality of lives. I know that. But I can also sit here and say it wasn't for me with complete sort of immunity to sort of backlash there. It just wasn't for me. Uh, I didn't want that label. I didn't want all that came with it. And that's really tricky because that was keeping me stuck because we have this thing whereby in society we see two types of drinkers. We have this kind of really false concept, by the way, of a, of, of a normal drinker who can kind of pretty much take it or leave it. And then alcoholics, the perception of whom is so negative. You know, we conjure up images of the man or the woman sat on the street corner, down and out, Swigging alcohol from a brown paper bag. Sad, pathetic, pitied. How the hell have they let themselves get there? But it's so dangerous. So dangerous to have this line, as I say, this false line, where we believe people are either normal drinkers or they're alcoholics, because it is not that black and white. It is simply not that black and white. And I, for one, was more interested to understand why the hell this had happened to me and, of course, what I could do to pull back out of this mess. So, in a way, I guess, you know, those characteristics of my younger self, my former 18-year-old self, the drive, the determination, the curiosity, the, <laughs> the stubbornness, uh, they, they were still there, just about, just buried. But they were still, you know, they, they were driving questions for me, which is why did I drink the way I did? When had it all started for me? Where had it all gone wrong? What signs could I have noticed? Who could I blame? I mean, seriously, this is, you know, this is quite a common one. Who could I blame? What could I or should I have done? What were my beliefs around alcohol? Why did I have it on a pedestal, even when it was causing me so much 
crap, you know, what jobs was I given it to do? You know, why, why did I need it? Do you know what? It's actually making me really emotional talking about this, even though I've told this story to people before. I think because I'm talking to you guys today, it is actually making me feel quite emotional talking about this because, A, yes, it reminds me of a very unhappy time. But also I just know how common this problem is. Alcohol is addictive. If you like it and you drink enough of it, especially in the wrong situations, the wrong circumstances, for the wrong reasons, then it is really addictive. So I'm not unusual. My story is not unique. In fact, it is frighteningly common. And I know just how many people the things that I struggled with affect. And this brings me to the point of the big drink rethink. I no longer drink because I've completely rethought my relationship with alcohol. I've had my own rethink. And this is really important, you know, those words. I've rethought my relationship with alcohol. I haven't closed my eyes and tried to pretend it doesn't exist because that is clearly impossible. I haven't sworn myself off it and made a pledge of abstinence. I haven't accepted that I'm a person who can't drink. But what I have done is examined every single belief and thought that I had about why I thought I needed it and why I was drinking in the way that I was. And I have found massive flaws in my thinking, in my beliefs and my thoughts and my assumptions, not in me. I mean, I I am flawed, okay? I am flawed in the same way that none of us are perfect and we all have our issues. But I'm just human, you know, just trying to get by in this crazy life. And I realized that having a live strategy that had alcohol at the center was deeply flawed. So my thinking, my thoughts, my assumptions flawed, not me. And I want to use this podcast to share what I've found out, my series of uh uh-huh kind of moments and revelations that turned everything on its head for me. So that's the first, that's the first reason why I'm doing this. And this is the first driving force behind the big drink rethink. Secondly, this podcast is intended to challenge and prompt collective thinking. I'll explain that. My world still revolves around alcohol, but in a very, very different way now, in a much more positive way, because I'm an alcohol mindset coach. For people who want to find their way back, find themselves again, or just find better tools and approaches or hit life full on with a bigger and better toolbox. I help people do what I did effectively, question their beliefs around drinking and take back control. And for that reason, I coach under the name The Beliefs Coach. And that might be to, you know, 
either leave alcohol behind altogether or make more positive, deliberate choices to drink less. To drink in a way that makes you happy, to take the conflict and the pain and the discomfort out of drinking. So because of the people that I meet, the many, many people that I meet in that in that capacity, it is with great certainty that I can say huge numbers of us have a difficult or strange relationship with alcohol. You know, and this ranges through from those who have unfortunately experienced rock bottom and see it as a sort of an essential in life, you know, a means of survival, all the way through to people who would simply describe their relationship as dodgy or the one I hear a lot as uncomfortable. People say to me, oh, Anna, I've got an uncomfortable relationship with alcohol. It's not a healthy relationship with alcohol. And generally speaking, where people place themselves on that kind of scale of, let's call it a scale of discomfort, it's based on just how much conflict alcohol is creating, how much it's conflicting and compromising who they want to be, their relationships, their values, what they want, what they want to achieve, how much it's kind of compromising their quality of life and their potential, you know, what they want to start doing, what they want to stop doing. But wherever you sit, and this is the point around prompting collective rethinking, wherever you sit, it just feels way too hard to address these things. Too many barriers stand in the way. It feels solitary and it holds so many fears. So I want to really challenge and prompt to rethink about why this is and really ask whether this should still be the case in a world where we're able to talk so much more openly about so many other health and wellness issues. Why do struggles with alcohol still feel like such an isolating and shameful thing for individuals who who just want to do something about their relationship with alcohol. I think we really do need a rethink at a grand sort of society level around how we, well, let's think about this, okay, how we thrust alcohol around so freely and encouragingly, which we do, but then ascribe so much shame and stigma when people fall foul of it. I mean, nowhere is this seen more than, you know, maybe in the workplace where alcohol lubricates networking and Christmas parties, but it's also the grounds for disciplinary action and dismissal. It's those contradictions, really, that interest me and confound me. They they actually make me angry, too, I've got to say. You know, I, I, I may get angry at certain points. Fundamentally, alcohol addiction is not your fault, okay? Most people who find themselves addicted to alcohol have simply happened upon a solution for feelings that they have or situations that they found themselves in, a solution that is actually sponsored by society. Alcohol is the most prevalent and permissive drug 
in our society. So to fall foul of it and then be accused of weakness or shamed is just wrong. We've got to look at this. It's the only drug that we actually have to apologise for not wanting to have. It's bonkers. Society promotes it and pushes it and then pulls back from you when this kind of made-up line is crossed, planting the blame at the door of the drinker. So I think we really need to challenge and rethink, you know, this black and white thinking that sees us divide people into normal drinkers or alcoholics. Because as long as those false and quite frankly ignorant and archaic lines remain, we will continue to have stigma that stops people coming forward. I mean, look, if I every day talk to people who can see themselves on almost like a spectrum of discomfort, then that is surely a more healthy way to perceive people's relationship with alcohol. Not black or white, not normal or alcoholic, but a spectrum of discomfort. And to be able to talk much more openly around that is surely, surely going to be a healthier way to look at to look at drinking and, and people's relationship with drinking and allow people to be more open about the factors or the elements of that that are causing discomfort, etc. So I really, really, really want us to to challenge and, and rethink that that black and white thinking. And also to to rethink and challenge how we support people in this country. I mean, AA has obviously defined what support looks like, and that's fantastic because, as I said before, it's helped millions of people, millions of people, but it hasn't helped me. I had to find another way, which I did, and that that's absolutely fine. But the principle, therefore, is let's find lots and lots of different ways. Let's find as many ways as we can. You know, let's not be snobby or sniffy or squiffy or whatever the phrase might be in terms of, you know, which which route is right for you or, you know, be defensive about that this is the right route or, you know, attack other options. Let's Let's recognize the fact that this is a problem that affects many, many different people And in order to help many, many people through their different challenges, we're going to have to try and open as many doors for them to walk through as we possibly can. So across the course of this series, I'll be talking to lots of people who have fantastic advice to offer up if, you know, if we're looking to sort of drink less or not at all or drink in a much more healthy way. I think at the end of the day, we're going to be rethinking lots of things as the name of this podcast suggests. And one of the fundamental things will be, you know, to question and challenge our personal beliefs around alcohol. Not least of all, this common one that drinking less or not at all risks isolation and marginalization. It's, I talk to people all the time and they say, oh, one of my biggest fears about not drinking or giving up drinking or drinking less is I'm going to kind of blow up my social group and challenge the dynamics. My friendships are all born on drinking. I'm going to challenge my friendships and ruin my friendships, change all the dynamics in my life. And through this podcast, we will show that 
alcohol culture is changing. We'll be talking to the brands and the individuals who are at the heart of that shift and putting the message out there very, very clearly that far from being the odd one out, things are changing out there. There's a bit of a movement. Again, this does not have to be a solitary thing. It shouldn't be this hard to make good, healthy, positive choices. We should be enveloped by more information and a wave of support. I don't want anyone who wants to make these positive choices to feel less inclined to do so because they feel that they're swimming against the tide. So I want this podcast to bring us all together and make it less hard, less lonely, more collaborative, more fun to ask these questions and and ponder and reflect. And if you're totally comfortable in your relationship with alcohol, uh, then that's fantastic. But there will also be oodles of stuff in this series for you too, because this is not a sobriety podcast. Sobriety is genuinely not the goal. Yes, there's going to be tools and tactics to cut down if that's what you choose to do or you need to do. And there'll be tools and tactics to cut alcohol out if that's what you choose to or need to do. So if you have a drinking problem, we are going to be discussing and exploring many solutions. But there is also clearly the option to choose to drink. So, you know, a lifestyle choice to drink. But that's what I really want it to be a personal and conscious choice, not an unthinking kind of default, because above all, drinking alcohol needs to be a conscious act, not a habit or a reflex and not something that we just all sleepwalk into in our teens because it's what we do. So yeah, by all means, choose to drink but do so in a kind of thinking and engaged way with your kind of eyes wide open on your terms and in ways that make you happy. So that really is the sort of the third important driver behind this podcast, really. You know, sobriety is not the goal. Happiness is the goal, a key part of which is authenticity and a life lived on your terms. And therefore, the question is not whether your drinking is so bad that you need to rethink it. A better question to ask is whether your life is good enough. And if not, is alcohol playing a part in that? So that's really important. Since I've stopped drinking, my life has improved on every single dimension. Every single dimension. Some very obvious ones, given the depths I'd sunk to, but also on many, many less obvious ones too. You know, for those of us who have always drunk, we we often end up settling for a level of energy and, and mental health that we just don't realise and recognise to be suboptimal. Alcohol, therefore, might not be causing untold damage in life, but it can be the thing that stops someone moving from good to great. So is your life good enough? We've got one shot at this thing. 
are you where you wanted to be? And are you the person that you wanted to be? So rather than this being a sobriety podcast, I intend it to provide the backdrop for making informed, personal and independent choices, choices that are independent of what everyone else is doing, choices that are right for you. So this is a let's hear some interesting perspectives podcast and I never knew that kind of podcast. It's a let's be more tolerant of individuals' personal choices kind of podcast. And a hey, we can certainly be more understanding of each other's struggles kind of podcast. And we're going to meander through politics, history, big alcohol, religion, spirituality, science, mental health, work culture, parenting, all of these topics that are connected and embedded into our drinking culture. We'll be looking at why politicians have no interest in us having a rethink. I mean, we all understand why the drinks industry might not have an interest in us having a rethink. But it's fascinating to really explore why the politicians aren't going to help us out anytime soon. So if we wait for them to come on board, we'll be waiting a very long time. We've got to do this ourselves, basically. And here's the thing. You know I mentioned that for many of us, our friendships and social lives revolve around alcohol so that we fear changing that dynamic. Even if we want to drink less or know we should be drinking less, we fear that change. Well, let me tell you something. I'm going to let you into a little secret. It is highly likely that you have friends in your group who are actually feeling the same way. But just like you, they don't want to be the one to change the dynamic. When I address my drinking problems, not only did my body breathe a massive sigh of relief, but members of my friendship group and family did too. They started to say, me too. I can't drink as much as I used to. You know, it's getting boring. The hangovers are getting more debilitating. It's amazing how many people go along with the dynamics of group drinking long after they would make a personal and active choice to. So let this podcast be the spark for a conversation. A conversation starter with your husband, your wife, your partner, a colleague, your bestie. If they want to rethink their drinking but have been unsure where to start or afraid of those social consequences, then you'll be doing them a massive favour. Share this podcast with them and talk about what's coming up in the episodes together. Download the resources and go through the rethinking together. This really is the spirit of the Big Drink Rethink. Make it bigger than just you. And where are you going to find these resources? Head to my website, thebeliefscoach.com, where you'll clearly see a link to the Big Drink Rethink resources on the homepage. That's the beliefs, B-E-L-I-E-F-S, coach.com. There's a link in the show notes and all of the resources connected to this podcast are going to be put there. They are all free and there will be so many tools, tactics and downloadables going down there. As we go along, it will build as a library. So please, you know, use those resources. 
I'm also going to point out that on my website, my rethink program is available. So if you want to jump in and rethink and explore your relationship with alcohol, then it's an incredibly powerful way to do it. It's a six week structured coaching led program. You'll get the best of my wisdom delivered to you in daily short videos and the chance to take a one month's break from drinking to explore the differences it can make in your life. It is not a dry month challenge. It is a coaching-led exploration of your personal beliefs around alcohol and the jobs you're giving it to do. And it can really supercharge any changes that you want to make. It's incredible value. You'll find it on thebeliefscoach.com too. And again, there are links in the notes. So that's all the stuff available to you around this podcast to make it extra, extra helpful to you. So whatever your relationship with alcohol and however you find yourself here, please stick around and tune in to be part of this conversation because it's about the world we live in effectively and about how that is shifting. And you lovely people are part of that world. So let's have a think about what this all means, one conversation at a time, together. Thank you for listening and getting curious. Please rate, review and follow this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're choosing to listen. And don't forget to tune in to the next episode. And you can find out more about The Big Drink Rethink by heading to my website, thebeliefscoach.com. That's the beliefs, B-E-L-I-E-F-S coach.com, where you will see clear links to the show.